Hi, this is Nikki Gerlane, and you're listening to Booked. Welcome to Booked, where two guys tell you about the books they're reading. I'm Livia Snedden. And I'm Rob Olson. The book we're talking about tonight is TV Snorted My Brain by Bradley Sands. A little bit about the author. Bradley Sands is a bizarro fiction author from Portland, Oregon. He wrote TV Snorted My Brain, Please Don't Shoot Me in the Face, a novel, Rico Slade Will Fucking Kill You, Sorry I Ruined Your Orgy, and other books. That's the entire uh, author bio for Bradley Sands that we pulled off Amazon. So immediately he hits my good list because that's pretty much perfect. 13 months we've been waiting to read the book. You know that? Yeah, that's true because we uh, got a little sneak peek during the Warren Bound sessions. We did. But first, we'll talk about that in a minute. But first, let's tell you a little bit about the book. Artie Pendragon loves anarchy, peewee soccer games, and midget wrestlers. He really hates high school, but his plan to blow up his school is interrupted when he is declared the king of TV land. After taking the throne, Artie's pro wrestling non-midget uncle steals it from him and enforces a strict policy of censorship throughout the land. To defend himself against his uncle's pile drivers and take back what is rightfully his, Artie must go on a quest for the Holy Grail, which is the only thing that will make his Excalibur 3000 remote control work properly. TV Snorted My Brain is a modern-day retelling of the King Arthur myth that happens inside your television set. Come along with Artie as he journeys through the various channels of TV land and recruits knights along the way to help him overthrow his uncle and bring anarchy to the land. Can I tell you that I really started to start reading synopses before I get into a book? Yeah, because uh, you didn't. It threw me for a total goddamn loop. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's... Uh... Probably a good idea to read the synopsis for this one first, just to have some sort of foothold in all the kind of crazy shenanigans that go on. Yeah, I. Uh, the reason I don't read, so I've always been this way. If I knew I was going to read a book, I never read what the book was about. So i.e., you know, at some point I pick up a book by somebody and it's really enjoyable and I decide I want to read something else from it. It doesn't matter what, what the book is about, so I don't read it. And I think that's kind of happened with this show is I know I've got to read the book, so it doesn't really matter what it's about, so... Yeah, that's true. I, I fall victim to that as well. I don't think I read the synopsis before reading this either. But, um, yeah, and even that the story from Wormed and Bound, which is the first chapter of this book, pro wrestling, no. Soccer moms and pro soccer, wrestler dads. Yeah, that soccer moms and pro wrestler dads uh, from Wormed and Bound. I don't know why I had such a hard time with that. Um, doesn't really prepare you for what's going to happen. Because uh, the story starts out pretty much... Like a just a normal, like from the perspective of a kid who just kind of hates a lot of stuff and, you know, has a really weird kind of dysfunctional family. And then, you know, somewhere along the way, things just go completely off the rails. Yeah. And that's so it, it's mentioned in the synopsis. So I guess we could talk about it. Um, you know, Artie just goes right to TV land, meaning he becomes a, a part of what happens inside your television um, not the electrical workings, but the actual shows and stuff. And that's where it really, really, what the hell just happened here? Yeah, that's where the bizarro kicks in a lot, I think. I mean, even before that, <laughs> um, it, it's just amplified, I think, once you hit the, once you get inside a TV land. It's like, so Bradley Sands seems to pretty much take liberties with 
um, reality a lot in the way he writes in general. Like Rico Slade will fucking kill you is pretty crazy. And uh, sorry, I ruined your orgy. That collection of short stories was was really out there. But um, I think it was definitely toned down before you get into TV land. And then with TV land hits, like you just hit the gas. Yeah, I was going to say, I don't know what's normal for you, buddy. But <laughs> this book is definitely <laughs> bizarre from page one for me. Um, yeah, so that's pretty much it. He's uh, he's Artie's unhappy with his home life. He has a little sister who he doesn't really care for. His mother remarried immediately after his father's death and married his father's brother. So it's his dad uncle that he absolutely hates. And, uh, you know, it starts off with, uh, you know, the, the kind of kid that that's always down. Everything's kind of going against him. And then he's thrown into this fantastical world where he's told he's the king and he has to kind of deal with that which is excellent because he loves anarchy and he always talks about how awesome anarchy and chaos is so um that's his whole line is that he just talks about he's just like you know that posturing badass kind of like oh you know this is awesome and everything is anarchy is good and i'm gonna blow things up and stuff but he's just a kid like having child childish dreams and stuff um and then he suddenly made the king of a land that he didn't know existed. None of us knew existed, except for Bradley Sands, apparently. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then it pretty much takes on the basic structure of, like, like it says uh, in the synopsis, the retelling of King Arthur, where um, he goes on the quest for the Holy Grail, um, but in TV land and with a bunch of really, really weird characters and a lot of just insane stuff going on. Yeah, and I think that pretty much covers for what we could talk about story-wise um, about this. Uh, it's very short. It's uh, it's 100-some pages, Rob. Is that like right? 142, I believe. Yeah. So it's a very, very short story, but it certainly doesn't lack any in substance for its uh, for its brevity. Yeah, that's the thing. Like, uh, it, I, We haven't talked really too much about this Bradley Sands brand of of Bizarro. We talked a lot about Jeremy Robert Johnson, where his is much more serious uh, with weird thrown into it. And this, to me, is is much more entertaining and funny and just kind of, to me, it almost reads like the way that a dream happens where, you know, um, things don't necessarily happen in, in the conventional way that, you know, physics and laws dictate. But in the dream... It makes total sense, and it's not something that's like, you know, hey, that shouldn't be happening. It's just the way it's going. Uh, that's that's the way that I felt when I was reading it. It was like I was reading someone retelling me probably one of the best dreams anybody's ever had. It's funny that you say that because although I didn't really think of it that way, I did expect that to be the the kind of punchline at the end, that that this kid wakes up and, you know, and this this is all a dream. Yeah, yeah, but we can't say whether that's the case or not. Right, but I did think that throughout the whole book. So <laughs> you were thinking how dreamlike it was, and I was actually expecting Sands to have written this into you know as a dream sequence of sorts. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so we talk a little bit about the characters. We've already talked a little bit about Artie. Um, his uh, his uncle slash stepfather um, is a wrestler named Kin Corn Karn, which I actually played the video game when I was a kid that he is named after. Which I think it was just a Nintendo <laughs> game. So he's a you know kind of a professional wrestler, and I say that uh, loosely because he's the professional wrestler where there's you know fifteen twenty people in attendance at a local you know gym or gymnasium, not a not a you know world wrestling federation type 
pro wrestler. But uh, yeah, his uncle's totally a douchebag. Yeah, and he's weirded out by the fact that his uh, uncle and mom married so so quickly after his uh, father died. But he's also got a sister, like a little, a younger sister who he hates and he considers to be like the most evil person in the world. And um, she is just this righteously entertaining little antagonist throughout the entire book. It's it's pretty hilarious whenever she pops up. It is. And so let's talk a little bit about what makes that whole thing so hilarious. Um, because this is a King Arthur retelling, of course, there's a Merlin, and Merlin's the one who explains everything to Artie that he needs to know about, you know, what, what goes on in TV land. But Merlin likes the little sister, so he teaches her magic. So she pops up throughout the course of the book and just just to screw up Artie's day. And she pretty much just, yeah, wreaks havoc every time she'll show up. And then it's weird. She'll show up and she'll cast a little spell and it'll like it'll either kill someone or, you know, it'll make something happen that is to the detriment of Artie. And then she'll just the weirdest thing is when she when she leaves, she pretty much just sets herself on fire. So (laughs) cute kittens playing with squeaky toys. Yeah, that's her. That's what she says when she casts her spell. That's her, her abracadabra, which is just adorable. So another character is his uh, Artie's wife. So I, essentially, when he is named king, um, he he's told by Merlin that he has seventy two hours to find a bride. Otherwise, uh, his king, his kinghood, kingship, king, king, mm. king, kingling. Uh, <laughs> is considered null and void. So he, <laughs> you're thinking this is going to be a big adventure where he's asking out all these chicks and stuff like that. Uh, but essentially, like you know, it's like 70 hours later. <laughs> but he uh, anyway, he finds a a girl. Oh, what's her name? Gail. Gwen. Gwen. Do you not know anything about Guinevere? Oh yeah, yeah Gwen. All right. <laughs> Shit. I can edit that out. You know, I have that power. I knew it was a G name. Uh, his wife is Gwen, and uh, um, she's the. <laughs> it's funny he's got a really big long name for her before he knows her actual name, and it's like the the most beautiful teen girl I've ever been within two hundred feet of, or something like that. And uh, she's just pretty much a hot chick. Yep. He satisfies his kingling. <laughs> he he gets to be kingling for longer. Yeah, but almost immediately things go wrong, and that's what. Uh, uh, that's when he sets out on his quest to find this Holy Grail. So much like his uh, his namesake, he uh, he amasses a group of folks to to help him. His his knights, and I don't think we're really going to go into the knights, but yeah, suffice it to say, there are some more uh, some more references to the King Arthur legend there. Yeah, and the knights. I mean, this is they're not even they're not even all necessarily people. One of them is an internet uh, forum. Hilarious, goddamn! Probably the funniest thing in that whole book. Yeah. It's a yeah. neo-Nazi internet forum as an actual character. Yep. So, uh, yep, that's it. And then he's on his quest to find the Holy Grail. And then just, I mean, total madness, complete madness from there. I don't know what else to say than that. Yeah, well, I mean, after you say that one of the characters is a neo-Nazi internet forum, I mean, that that's that's pretty much it. There's not a whole lot to say after that. <laughs> So I'm surprised how much we actually got to establish just like the legitimacy of the story because it's really out there. It's a really it is. Out there it is. And, you know, it's funny because when we're telling it and, you know, when you read it, it doesn't sound that out there. Wait till we get to the quotes, guys. Then you're going to be like, oh. 
I, I think we're probably pretty close to, to doing some quotes here. Um, not a lot I'll say, except God damn it. I don't remember last time I laughed out loud this much while reading a book. Yeah, that's the thing about this is like um, the, the, the common thread in Bizarro that uh, was taught to us by J. David Osborne and Jeremy Robert Johnson is that it's pretty much any kind of story, but with a weird twist to it. And Sands just, he should just have a goddamn crown or something. The weird that he brings to the story is just, it's its awesome. I don't know. I don't even know what to say. It's just, uh, it, it's definitely a lot, a lot, a lot of weird, but with enough story to, you know, kind of s- support it and keep it in a forward trajectory, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 It's, it, it's a romp. Now you say it's a romp. That's that's how I felt about this all the way through. Is that it was just like this kind of fun, you know, like bull in a china shop kind of story that just you know, just went everywhere. But sometimes logically, sometimes illogically, but just a just a whole lot of good. Well, I won't say clean. A lot of good fun. <laughs> yep, funny. I think the three words that I put down on the on our notes are entertaining, funny, and weird. I think that pretty much. Um, Wraps it, sums it up for me. I'm going to question the order of those words a little bit, but yeah, I definitely agree. (laughs) Um, Cool. Well, I guess there's no reason we couldn't jump into some quotes. Um, I believe you have a lot more than I, since I'm still handicapped by having a subpar reader that I'm using. Ooh. So I'll let you, uh, I'll let you kick it off. All right. So this is towards the beginning of the story and this establishes a lot of like the voice and the, the pacing that the book has. And it's it's him. It's already thinking about the situation with his mother and uncle and the the father who recently passed away. He and my mom got married a couple of months after Dad's funeral. Why did they have to do it so soon? It's a little disturbing to think that my dad's brother tossed my mom's salad while he was rotting away in his grave. I will drop an atom bomb in their bed while they sleep. It will be a special kind of atom bomb. It will not destroy them. They will survive. The radiation will cause their bodies to smoosh together into one. <laughs> the mom and new dad monster will walk the earth for the rest of eternity, thinking, we probably shouldn't have tossed each other's salads while Artie's dad was rotting away in his grave. <laughs> That's pretty much all you need to know about the kind of story you're getting into, I'd say. Oh, God, it's good stuff. Um, mine are all kind of longer, but I really don't know. I think I'm going to kind of pick and choose a little bit. Um Easily, easily, as I mentioned before, one of my my favorite parts um, was the the fact that one of the knights that he, you know, finds along the way is an internet forum forum for neo Nazis. And <laughs> this, as a character, I mean, I could, I, I probably would have, if I didn't stop myself, I probably would have highlighted pretty much every single passage that involved this. So um, the one that just I did just off the cuff more to remember exactly what the forum was for. It's uh, the Internet forum for neo-Nazis always looked a little cartoony and nothing has changed. So there's a there's a portion in there where uh, (laughs) they're in this great battle and the Internet forum um, like spews emoticons at a guy and they like basically like go right through his head and kill him. It's fantastic. (laughs) Can I throw a quick one out? Yep. Randomly, again, towards the beginning when he's he's angry at his, his life, basically. Roadhouse is an awesome movie, but my uncle sucks. 
<laughs> that's in reference to his uncle's finishing move in the wrestling ring, which is to tear someone's throat out. And he has this plastic, like, fake throat that he keeps in his pocket. So, like, when he wants to deliver his final move, he pulls this fake throat out and pretends to tear their throat out, which is a total reference to Roadhouse. And uh, I guess one of the things we didn't really mention so much when we were talking about it is how all the stuff that goes on in TV land is based um, very loosely on on real TV shows. Yeah. And, and this is actually from before TV land. But to kind of give you an example of that, I mentioned that uh, his uncle is a wrestler and there's a scene where, uh, well, I guess it'll kind of become apparent. Um, my uncle and his wrestling buddies attack Timmy Superfly Snooka. They push him off the remote control. They pick him up and throw him on our coffee table. The coffee table shatters beneath his weight. My uncle, Grutus the TV repairman Beefcake, Killiam Regal, and the penultimate warrior, Dickie the Panda Bear Steamboat, and Bulk the Plumber Hogan all reach for the remote control. This results in extreme violence. They have a battle royal. The winner takes the remote control. Can I just say that the penultimate warrior is probably the best wrestler name I've ever heard in my life? I have to agree with you. <laughs> Here's a quick one for you. Because burning money is the most anarchist thing you can do besides riding in the streets or playing peewee soccer. Yes, and that list is kind of funny because that list gets longer. It starts out with peewee soccer is the most anarchist thing you could do. And that list kind of gets longer yeah. throughout the course throughout of the, the whole book. book. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, this give you kind of an idea, I think, of, of how it's written and kind of already it's it's all written from Artie's perspective. Gwen thought it was my penis, right? 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 I cannot believe she was fooled so easily by my uncle's disguise. I do not know if I can forgive her. I try to forgive her. I have forgiven her. I stop crying. <laughs> so it's very staccato yeah. in parts when Artie is, is his character is not, uh, that's where I'm looking for. Not a lot of real emotional flow there. A lot of it's very kind of bricky delivery which is perfect for what his character is yeah definitely here's a quick one that um uh i threw up on facebook the other day just because i liked it so much i'm and this is a rare instance of Artie's mom doing anything like she she's in the entire story but um rarely does anything besides pretty much have sex with Artie's uncle but this is a nice quote that i really enjoyed i'm gonna ground you for life if you don't embrace your freaking destiny awesome stuff um, I only had one more I was going to read because I really loved it. And I realized that <clears throat> I know we talked a lot about the story. This might be a little more spoilery than I'd like to go because it involves a special guest star to the story. And I don't want to mention it. So I'm going to skip my last one. Ooh. You guys will figure it out when you read it. All right. I'm going to throw out a couple more just because, I mean, it's the moments like these that just made this book so entertaining. It's when he's just kind of when Artie's reflecting to himself and thinking about things that are awesome or things that are terrible, you know, like when Artie's reflecting to himself really were my favorite parts in the book. So here's one that I, I thought was pretty cool. Brutal violence fucking rules. I always knew dad would have made an awesome anarchist. Too bad he was so hung up on monarchism or else we could have participated in more father-son bonding activities like competing in a wheelbarrow race during a riot in the streets. This one, I don't even know what to say about this one. I'm just going to read it. The, uh, the setup is uh, someone sets off some sort of like explosive device and a lot of um, TV characters are caught in the explosion and blown to pieces. One of them being a TV teen doctor. The teen doctor's pinky finger flies into my mouth. I accidentally swallow it. I do not like swallowing the pinky finger of a teen doctor. 
I plan to make a proclamation banning all severed body parts from being within 200 feet of my mouth. <laughs> and see, that's the thing. So if it wasn't Sans writing this story and you read inner dialogue like that, you'd think it was crap, right? Yeah. But the course of this story just makes it absolutely wonderful that, that, that's, that that's Artie's dialogue. It's very step one, step two, step three kind of. It's not very, I don't know, lilty or flowing. It's just very, again, like staccato. Just yeah. boom, boom, boom. I loved it. So. All right. I got a couple more. This one's a little bit longer, and it's just so blasphemous. There's no way I couldn't uh, go for it. And uh, this is basically, again, Artie kind of being reflective, but thinking about all the terrible, very annoying things that are happening to him. I don't know if there's a god, but if there is, I wish he would appear before me so I could kick him in the fucking nuts. Fuck that guy. Crap. No, I'm definitely going to hell. All right, and I'm going to finish off with um, just a quick description of this group of creatures that they find as in their in the the knights and Artie are on their their quest for the Grail, and they run across these group this group of creatures, which he inevitably uh, recruits to come along with him. And this is kind of their the description that he has for them. Hundreds of tiny creatures march up to us singing, ka 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 ka. They look identical and kind of like rabbits. They would look really cute if their green skin tone didn't make it look like they were about to puke. They all wear white hats, white pants, and white shoes. They are very cheerful. They look like a little suicide cult. <laughs> oh, it's so good. Cute kittens playing with squeaky toys. Yep. All right, you ready to wrap this one up then, buddy? Uh, yeah, I think uh, we should do a little wrap-up. Have at it. I'll let you go first. So I came into this having already read two Bradley Sands books, so I was pretty familiar with his writing style. I knew what I was getting in for, and I was in the right mood for it, and it did not disappoint. Bradley Sands is a very entertaining, very funny, lighthearted, again, like I'm going to say, a dreamlike approach to his writing where he takes lots of liberties with the laws of physics and just the way things typically happen in real life. Um, but he makes it very, very entertaining and funny along the way. It's a short read, a lot of fun, a lot of weirdness. I guess I would have to warn, I mean, if you haven't noticed from the quotes and everything by now, that there's a lot of potentially offensive material if you were deciding to be way, way, way uptight about it. But uh, I think in the context of the book, it's more supposed to be taken as just like, he's not, you know, these aren't views that he's pushing. It's just basically like, how crazy and messed up, you know, the world of this book is. So um, if you're easily offended by, uh, you know, talk of, you know, you know, <laughs> saying fuck that guy about God and things like that, might not be a book for you. Um, but if you're just looking for a very entertaining, weird, weird read, this is definitely a nice quick read and I liked it a lot. So all, all in all, I liked it a lot. So I'm going to go with uh, four stars. Tag on a little bit to what you said. Let's not forget this is the guy who wrote Sorry I Ruined Your Orgy and Rico, Rico Slade Will Fucking Kill You. <laughs> so if that doesn't give it away that this might be a little offensive. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, um, yeah, I mean, you know, what to say about this. I uh, I laughed out loud and, and, and chuckled quite a few times um, while reading this, which uh, is not my thing. Typically, I don't do a lot of chuckling watching, you know, sitcoms or movies or whatever. So definitely there's something about Bradley Sands that uh, <clears throat> that definitely inspired me to, to, to laugh, uh, which is a very good thing. So 
you know, story-wise, it is what it is. It's a retelling of the King Arthur story. Um, you know, what this is really about was was Artie's inner dialogue and the way, way, way weird things that go on. Um, I'm telling you, one of my favorite characters now that I will never forget is an internet forum, you know, Nazi internet forum that there's a character <laughs> in this book. I mean, that's just some pure genius shit right there. So... Um, I definitely have to say that after reading this, I, uh, I will be probably asking Rob to borrow his copies of Rick Goslade will fucking kill you. <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, sorry, I ruined your origin because Bradley Sands is now a must read in my book. Um, I'm going to go with four and a half stars on this. Uh, one question I had for you, Livius, that I just thought of, um, did you find it kind of a little bit liberating that you knew that he was just breaking all the rules? Like, you know what I'm saying? Did it feel nice to just be like, all right, well, just go with whatever? Yeah, I mean, uh, I didn't really consciously think of that while I was reading it. But now that you mention it, yeah, I mean, just it was just a wild ride that had no no boundaries whatsoever, which was really, really cool. Yeah, he pretty much removed everything that we could judge him, judge against him for, um, <laughs> in a way. I mean, what I'm saying is he made it so much his own that, like, there's nothing to... Um, not necessarily judge it against, but like, you know, put it up against. I understand so, what you're saying. He created something completely unique because he had no or decided to not work with any boundaries. Yeah. yeah. So I think that's one of the things I like about Bizarro. And, and that's uh, like the Nikki Gerland stories and stuff, too. Those two the two dude stories that we mm -hmm. read a few of and really enjoyed is just like they, they for the most part, throw the rule book out, but still make it a story that you can get something out of. And it's very entertaining. So. Um, that's one of the things that I thought was really great about sand style in general. Yeah. And I know we're done reviewing the book, but I think that one of the things, and just because of the way this conversation has come about and the same thing with Gerlain is that you read a great, you know, quote unquote literary book and you kind of read and there's story and there's this wonderful prose and there's everything else, but how visual are those books in comparison to something like this or a Nikki Gerlain story? That's true. Yeah. You know, I mean, yeah. you read Dare Me, which I thought was a great book. And, you know, the picture in my head was, all right, great. There's a cheerleader. Throw another cheerleader up in the air. That's it. But this, I'm imagining, you know, this remote control. And there's a guy, like, dressed like Merlin. And, you know, there's this little sister that's setting herself on fire. I mean, it's just such a visually stimulating book. It and gives I'm you, guessing yeah. that a lot of Bizarro probably depends on that visual aspect more so than a, than a literary, you know, quote-unquote literary story doesn't. I think they're just more fun. Yeah, it's nice to just kind of kick back and uh, and enjoy the ride. Ah, and enjoy the ride we did. Yeah. So, hey, speaking of Nikki Gerlain, um, you know, she's been kind of quiet with stories lately. Well, yeah, but she does have that um, Imperial Youth Review is the name of the, it's like, a, I think it's a British magazine. Mm -hmm. uh, it's uh, actually just out now. I think they announced that it was out today, which we're recording on Halloween. Because <laughs> <laughs> we're that much fun. We're sitting That's... at home on Halloween night. <laughs> This is your treat. It's a treat for you guys. That's what we're getting at. Anyway, Imperial Youth Review, Volume 1. It's a, it's a magazine, I think, out of the UK. The reason I think it's out of the UK is because on their website, they're saying that it costs £9. <laughs> um, oh, see, I thought it was just really, really big. Yeah. No, £9. Oh, I was wondering what that weird little symbol was. So. Yeah. Um, which that translates to about fourteen fifty in uh, US dollars. But look anyway, at, look at you, Mister Monetary Conversion Guy. I know. Glad Google's back up. Google went down today. Did you know that? No, I didn't actually. Yeah. Google went down, which means your entire life went down because you're on Android, right? No, my phone worked fine. Oh. 
<laughs> All right. Well, anyway, uh, so Nikki's story, The Wetlands Are Burning, is in there. Um, and there's, well, it looks like there's about 10 or 15 people total. Uh, names that I don't necessarily recognize, but that does not mean that they're not excellent writers. So I think everybody should check that out. We're going to have a link for it up in the, uh, the post for this, uh, this episode. Hey, if it makes you feel any better, I'll bet you that almost none of those writers recognize your name either. <laughs> Probably not. Hey, you want to know what's cool about this Imperial Youth Review uh, issue, by the way? Do tell. There may, may, well, hopefully there is, um, be the first ever print ad for our podcast in there. <gasps> that alone is worth ordering. If yeah. it's not for Nikki Gerlain and the fact that Garrett Cook is one of the editors. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, definitely worth uh, worth looking into. I'm curious to see if there's going to be an e-version. You know how bad I am at waiting for stuff. You know, it's all, it's, yeah, it's that um, instant gratification. It is. But you know what? While we're waiting for our, our issues to uh, to come from uh, across the pond there, um, there is something that's available from Nikki Gerlain that just came out today uh, as well, I think. Backlitzine.com. Did you see this? Um, she put a link up to it earlier. I clicked through it on my iPad and I started flipping around. It's it's a pretty serious looking website. Yeah, it's like a magazine, but it's it's. So this is like an issue, but it's done completely as a magazine where like there's each like thing has its own page, but it's like a scrollable page. Mm-hmm. So it's weird. It's like going to like twenty different websites to to get content. So this is definitely something I'm going to look forward to uh, to reading while I wait for my Imperial Youth Review. Yeah, and did you say what story it was? It was Succubus in the Attic? I did not, but it is Succubus in the Attic. Yeah, I understand there's going to be some pretty cool graphics involved with her story, too. So, looking forward to it. So, anyway, if you're trying to get a hold of Imperial Youth Review and you don't feel like ordering it and waiting for it to come across, you know, which ocean is that? The Atlantic? I don't know the way that they... Well, I guess it depends on which way the plane goes. The way they fly. Could go to the, you know, around the Pacific, you know. But anyway, if you don't want... It's so terrible. If you don't want to wait for it to fly all the way across the uh, the uh, whichever ocean they choose, when um, you happen to be in the Portland area, the uh, Bizarro Con's coming up. It's going to be November fifteenth through the eighteenth uh, in Portland, Oregon. And if you go to Bizarro Con, Nikki's going to be there, and she's going to have her arms just piled up with copies of Imperial Youth Review Volume One, featuring Nikki Gerlain, featuring our ad, <laughs> and also she's going to have a big pile of the. Uh, in Search of a City, Los Angeles in a Thousand Words, which features the very first, I believe. Am I correct about that? Two Dudes I story? I don't know if it's the very first, hmm. but it's possible. It's the first one we read. And first. It's the first <laughs> Yeah. So Is that a new car? That's our re- revisionist history. It is the very first one because we read it. That's the first one we read. Right, exactly. Uh, anyway, BizarroCon, November 15th through the 18th. You'll bump into Nikki Gerlane. She'll probably have red hair um, and a giant pile of books in her hand. And you can get a copy of it that way. All right. If you uh, just tuned in, we're wrapping up the Nikki Gurley Hour here at the book <laughs> podcast. It's just all, well, it all ties in. Bizarro Con. We just read a Bizarro book. Bradley Sands will probably be there. Uh, Carlton Mellick, I think he's nine feet tall. He's probably awesome. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Nothing like I'm endearing just... ourselves to the Bizarro community. I'm kidding, but he is intimidating looking, right? Yeah. I, I bet you. I bet you he's like Jet Air's level of sweetness deep down in the middle. Oh, Jet Air. Speaking of Jet Airs, we're going on to the part two of our podcast, <laughs> which is the Jet Airs Minute. 
Um, <laughs> this happened, and it's so weird how this happens, how we, like, miss the boat on something. So last week when we recorded our episode, it was Thursday, I think. Mm-hmm. And minutes after we finished the recording, Rob texts me and goes, God damn it, Flossed is available on DVD. Like, this just came up, like, three minutes ago. So we just wanted to mention that Flossed is available on DVD and as a digital download. So if you didn't um, take advantage of uh, seeing it for free, when uh, it was offered up by uh, by Julie and Grant so nicely to listeners of our show, and you didn't catch it at the Chicago International Film Festival, here's your next opportunity to see it. You can pick up a copy for yourself on DVD or as a digital download. And I believe both of those are available at Amazon. Yeah, I believe it's on Amazon. And, I mean, reasonably, very, very reasonably priced. I think the digital download, uh, unless it was like a like a, like a a limited time uh, pricing, is like 4 bucks. Mm-hmm. And the DVD is around ten bucks. Yep. Not a lot of money. Dollar ninety nine to rent, three ninety nine to buy, and twelve ninety nine for the DVD. Yeah, see, that's not terrible at all. It's it's almost nothing. Yeah, all I say. How much did you pay for that fourteen oh eight that you watched last week? Oh, it was on special. Yeah, like but how much? Four ninety nine, I think. So you paid more for that than for Floss. How does that that's make true. you feel? Um. Well. I know I just put you on the spot there. It's okay. <laughs> uh, anyway, yeah, definitely check it out. Um, Julian, by the way, is uh, hard at work filming another independent movie of his. Is it Sweetwater or Sweet Leaf? Sweet Leaf. Sweet Leaf is it's the about, name of it's it. It's about the you know the marijuana. Oh, I thought it was like about a like a like a drugstore robbery kind of thing. Yeah, I think they rob a drugstore to pay a marijuana debt or ah. something along those lines. Yeah. I'm hoping it's that kind of marijuana they have over in England where, you know, they take they take one puff off of it and they're like stoned out of they're their minds. Immediately stoned. Yeah. Instantly stoned. Did did you notice that nobody, <laughs> nobody came forward to tell me if they had um call waiting? Oh. <laughs> yeah. And we should just start calling. You and I should call like I'll call Craig Wallwork. Mm-hmm. Craig Wallwork. And while I've got him on the phone, you call him. And <laughs> just see if see there's... what happens. See if he's engaged. Yeah, he's engaged. Um, <laughs> all right, continuing on with our Jed Ayers minute. Uh, another thing that's coming up has a lot to do with Jed Ayers. Uh, we mentioned it on the last episode. Uh, in just a couple days, we're going to be taking a road trip booked on the road uh, down to Cordon, Indiana, to attend the release party that Frank Bill is throwing for the Noir the Bar 2 anthology. Yes. It's gonna be very, very cool. You know who? You know who else is gonna be there besides me and you? David James Keaton. David, the newly married David James Keaton. Ladies, he's completely off the market now. It's sad for everybody. Uh, Frank Bill also should be reading Les Edgerton, who uh, we talked about uh, when we were talking to Keaton about Spine Tingler Awards, right? Because Edgerton was nominated for something, and he was also at the Noir at the Bar reading that Keaton did over in St. Louis. And apparently, Les Edgerton excited to see me. <laughs> yeah, apparently, I noticed that. I kind of felt bad because he doesn't give a shit about me, but that's cool. Livius, cool. uh, us, no Livius, Livius had his feelings just stepped on the other day when uh, Edgerton posted in the uh, the Facebook thing that he was excited to go down and see the event, and. Um, that I would be there because he's interested in meeting me. When Livius has been the person who's been doing most of the correspondence with him, so yeah, I felt I felt like the oats to your hall, you know. <laughs> now I know that guy felt just second rate, backseat. <laughs> uh, uh, sure, 
<laughs> I don't know. I'm very much looking forward to it. And I think I think we might have some content from there for the listeners, which is also very exciting. If you couldn't make your way to Corydon, hopefully Booked will bring a little bit of Corydon to you. That's right. You know we love to bring um, content that doesn't involve us doing anything. So if we can just press record somewhere Sorry. and let other people do the work for us. We are all about that. So hopefully some of that, hopefully, cross your fingers, we'll be having some of that uh, not too long after we get back from uh, downtown Indiana. Um, earlier, <laughs> it's just because I was thinking about us being lazy. Um, you know how you can see like what search terms brought people to your site? Mm-hmm. I wonder how many times, because I actually typed in Bradley Sands, lazy, <laughs> and I thought, I probably don't have to put fascist in there. <laughs> and I hit enter. And I'm wondering how many times Bradley Sands Lazy comes up in his search results as his, <laughs> you know, his traffic driver to his site. So. Probably quite frequently. Yeah, I want to see what else he had going on with those guys. Can I mention another thing that I think is pretty cool that came up recently? Mm. I tried to talk about this on a previous episode, but it wasn't working properly. Um, but I tried it with this, uh, this past book, and it worked quite well. Uh, and what I'm referring to is uh, Apple recently updated their iBooks app. Uh, which I've been using since I got my iPad several months ago, pretty much primarily as my reader. And the features that they have built in, as far as how you can highlight and make notes and actually make different collections of stories uh, or books to organize your bookshelf and stuff like that, I've really been, you know, really pretty enamored with. But the thing that they introduced, one of the new features they just introduced was uh, the fact that you can highlight a section from the book and choose to send it directly to Twitter or to Facebook directly from the app without having to do anything extra. So I gave that a whirl. I did the quote uh, about embracing your freaking destiny. I sent that to Facebook, and it essentially just put up the quote, and then underneath it it said, excerpt from, uh, and then it gave the title and the author. And I thought that was pretty fantastic. So um, I might kind of give that a run in the future just to throw out quotes as we go. So maybe I'm not hitting... You know, maybe I'll do some quotes on online and then do different ones in the episode so that, you know, I'm not saturating the episode with tons and tons of quotes. But it's a feature that I tried out and I thought was really, really great. So if anybody else is reading books on iBooks, definitely give that a shot if you like to share the stuff that you're reading, because I think it's pretty awesome. I would have to agree that is that is nifty and it lends itself better to Facebook where there's not a limit on text because you can do that or you have been able to do that with uh, Twitter and the Kindle. Mm-hmm. But then it just like provides a link. It doesn't just show up in the feed. And if you know, if we've learned anything since doing this podcast, people don't click links. They just yeah. click the like button. They don't follow through. So, <laughs> yeah, and that's the thing. Like I, I was excited early on about the way that the Kindle would allow you to share quotes, until I realized that essentially they just kind of depot the quotes on the website on Kind on Amazon's website somewhere, and you have to link to go look at them. So, um, hopefully, they develop it a little bit more like a better integration so you can send right to the stuff. All you have to do is set it up so that you sign into your Facebook and Twitter accounts in the app and then just send it directly. I don't know why it would be that difficult. Yeah, I I, I don't know. Like, so with Twitter, the limitation would be that unless your, you know, your quote is very short, that there's still going to be like the kind of see more link. Right, right. So, yeah, but that's why I said Facebook. I mean, I imagine you could probably throw you know, a chapter in there if you wanted where there's no real limit. To, but the nice thing is people will read it if it's in their feed. Like, this is what society has come down to. We'll look at it if it requires zero work whatsoever. So we'll read it because it comes up on our wall. But, you know, like, usually the see more button, 
when someone goes long mm-hmm. enough, you actually click that. I mean, someone's got to be on a hell of a rant for me to look at the see more of what they're saying. Yeah, I agree. It's definitely like a too long, didn't read it kind of world we're living in now. So, um, and yeah, it's we, but I'm as guilty as anybody else. It takes, it takes so much for me to engage in any kind of content free or by, you know, if it's, it's kind of the messed up backwards thing is I feel like if I'm investing money in something, I'm going to be more engaged in it than if I, if I didn't pay for it because like, while I'm spending the money, I may as well get as most, the most out of it I can. So all this free content that I engage, I just, you know, I half ass because I don't have any obligation to it or to myself because of it, I guess. That does say some kind of weird things that we, we may want to analyze maybe during another interlude. Like, are people less likely to read your book because you're giving it away for free? Yeah. And and we've learned ourselves through uh, the giveaways that we've done is mm-hmm. um, the level of engagement we see is definitely lower than you would expect when you're giving away um, free stuff. And we've done giveaways where it's like signed first edition well yeah signed first edition like hardcovers of certain books and it's just not drawing the interest that you would expect because i would think what you know if i saw hey win a free signed first edition of this indie author and all i had to do was click like on something i don't see why i wouldn't do that but that's not the case with most people it seems i will say this worked out okay for me because i have a first signed edition signed first edition of paul wilson repairman jack book that i got and I actually had to send an email somewhere. Like it was beyond clicking a like button. Like I actually had to send an email and you know what? I was probably the only person that entered boom book showed up on my doorstep like three weeks later. Were you even notified that you won it? No, no, it just showed up <laughs> in an envelope. That's excellent. It was the most awesome envelope like I ever opened. Cause like you said, I, I didn't even know it was coming. And I thought, you know, we get books sent to us from authors and stuff. And I was like, Oh, like, yeah, I'm kind of scratching my head. You know, I go and I wonder who this is, you know, and I open it up and I go, oh, this is a signed F. Paul Wilson. This is awesome. So, yeah, it's but pretty yeah, exciting. It's, yeah. So it was very, very cool. Oh, authors. Also, if you ever send anybody a book and you're sending it yourself, please make sure to sign it. it wasn't F. Paul Wilson. I'm thinking of somebody else. You know who you are. You know who you are out there. If you're listening, sign your <laughs> books before you send them to people. Anyway. All right. I think we ranted enough. Maybe we yeah. should try doing another giveaway. What do you think? Um, if the right, yeah, if the right materials drop in our lap, I would, I would try it again. We try to restore your faith in humanity. Yeah. A little bit. We need more Liviuses out there engaging. Well, my whole thing is too. And then like SG Brown was doing a giveaway and I was like, I'm a shoe in for this. (laughs) My post, my post on his website was like, all right, I'm going to go stand by my mailbox and wait for my book now. (laughs) Like after entering his contest, I didn't win. No, no, but that's good. Cause that means that more than just me entered. So. Someone got it. Some yeah, we gave away like three copies, so not to me. Thanks, SG. Well, yeah, if something cool lands in our lap, and I think we got some stuff heading our way, we probably have some stuff laying around too. Now that I think of it, um, we'll we'll throw together a nice giveaway. Cool. Yeah. Very very cool. All right, man. Hey, you know what? I don't know what our next episode's gonna be. I think it depends a little bit on what kind of content we get uh, this weekend. Yeah, yeah. The uh, transcripts of uh, Olivia's arrest, mm-hmm. possibly. Yeah, Rob will read all the boring details. I do know what our next book is, but I don't want to say it because I don't know what our next episode is going to be. That's true. Hey, perhaps there'll be a, an audio interview with a uh, formerly famous <laughs> TV star. That's what I'm talking about. Aaron <laughs> Moran, we're coming your way, baby. Oh, no. Oh, where'd this go? I got to tell you, I've got like eight VHS tapes of Joni Loves Chachi that I'm bringing <laughs> just in case so she can sign them for me. All right. I think we tapped it out. 
No, 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 no. I know everybody was waiting with bated breath, but Skip Papersley has returned from vacation. And you yeah. know what that means? Uh, probably means book news. Booked news. This is Skip Papersley with book news. Now for the news. You might not have noticed, but there's something new in the air. That's right. Book news has an all new intro. Instead of saying, this is book news, I'm Skip Papersley this week in book news. I instead said, this is Skip Papersley with book news. Now for the news. The book news team is expecting a great response to this update and would from now on like to call the segment book news 2.0. I vetoed that idea, calling it stupid. In other news, archaeologists believe they've found the cave from the Newberry Award-winning book, Island of the Blue Dolphin. Steve Schwartz, archaeologist, has been searching for 20 years, but is now 90% certain that he's found the cave the protagonist lived in, alone, for 20 years before being rescued and then dying of dysentery. This is an exciting find, as no one has known the location for over 100 years. At the time of broadcast, Steve Schwartz was unable to respond as he was too busy fucking the mouth of the cave. Now, the New York Times bestsellers in fiction recap. James Patterson and Marshall Karp's new book is more like NYPD unread as it slips to number five. Patricia Cornwell's bone bed rests uncomfortably at number four. The Casual Vacancy by J.K. Rowling is voted down to number three. The number two book, The Twelve, by Justin Cronin is $28. Finally, Nelson DeMille's Panther strikes at number one. A special shout-out to Gone Girl by Gillian Flynn, which is still making dreams come true, even at number six. This has been Book News. I'm Skip Papersley, signing off. All right, and as always, definitely glad to have Skip Papersley on. Glad to have him back from vacation. Don't go on vacation again, Skip. If you do, I'm going to let you know there's this invention called the Internet. You can record stuff from faraway distances and just send it to us. So um, thanks for thanks for having that back. We were kind of lost in the book world without you. Yeah, I didn't even know what was going on. I've dug into back catalogs and stuff. Yeah. So I was no like, idea. what's this new book, 1984, I've been hearing about? Oh, God. God, you know you said that and I was thinking one Q eight four and wanted to reach through the <laughs> microphone and strangle you. Oh no. No more of those. No Murakami. No, no Murakami. Hey, you know what I did read this week though? What? I read the first Dead Man series book by Lee Goldberg. I know you and I were talking about it off the air. It's kinda of like a pulpy serial mm-hmm. written by different authors. Yeah, yeah. So just knocked out the first one today. It was pretty short. It was only like seventy something pages, I think. Um, good stuff though. It's so basically it's there 13 books in 12 books in and they just have a different author, write The next installment, which is something that's been going on for years. I think we talked about this last time, right? About ghostwriters mm-hmm. and stuff. Yeah. So got through that today. I'm looking forward to reading the second one and see where this thing goes. You know, there's going to be a day where we're going to be like, yeah, we talked about it on that last episode. It wasn't something we ever talked on an episode. We were just like on the phone or something. You know, what's going to happen is no one's going to notice either. That's fine. That's what, is that all you read, Livius? No, actually, I finally finished The Twelve by uh, Justin Cronin. Um, I'll give you the quick wrap on that. I'm going to give it four stars. Wonderful story, some really memorable characters, but he did the same thing he did in the first one and crapped out in the end. What a punk bitch. What a punk. 644 pages. 600 pages, great. 44 pages, I was like, meh. So either way, great, <laughs> memorable characters. I mean, it's a big, big story, and it was known to be a trilogy from the beginning. I still don't get the endings. I think he needs a little polish on the endings. I think someone needs to work with him on how to finish a book. So, yeah, yeah, but yeah, the twelve. All right, now yeah. we're done talking. 
Yeah. Oh, hey, nope. One more thing. Uh, Bob Pastorella, um, our man, our horror man, the man who knows horror, uh, recently put up a review over at Manarchy Magazine uh, about John Horner Jacobs' book, This Dark Earth. And he said, now he, uh, like, like I just said, big on horror. He's a big horror man. He's the horror dude. Said it's the best zombie novel that exists. Ooh. That's got to count for something, right? God damn it. You know, and I keep saying I'm going to read it. And now I, I'm pretty sure I have to read it. <clears throat> yeah. I mean, it was compelling enough before, but when Bob Pastorella puts his his bulk behind it. His horror stamp. That's right. That's it. That's it. Awesome. Well, there you go. More yeah. for me to read. Yep. So we'll link up to that, too. There's just so much information, so much for you guys to go and do and read for free and, and buy and download and stuff. We're, we're giving you all the goods this week. All right. We tell you what to read. Boom. There it is. <laughs> there it is. Sean Ferguson. All right. Until next time, I'm Livia Snedden. And I'm Rob Olson. Keep reading. Keep reading.